It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is podcast. Hello and welcome to the All Time Misfit Podcast. You got yourself truly uh, Matt Brunelli Sports with uh, Hater Supercharge underscore thirty three and Tyler at uh, T Demet. And then you, we got a very special guest this week. We got Nick Farrenball, part of uh, some draft network. I can't remember which one you're part of. I'll let you give yourself a plug here in a second, Nick. We got a lot of big news, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and get into it with uh, our special guest, Nick, and we'll get into a. Uh, Thursday night football thoughts. We'll go ahead and just cover this because it was the Bengals and it's uh, Tyler's favorite team. So uh, I'll go ahead and let Tyler give some thoughts about uh, Thursday night football. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, find my stuff at Pro Football Network. Uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, draft stuff, NFL stuff, uh, Steelers stuff especially. Uh, I am a Steelers fan. So um, Bengals. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely let you get yourself a plug here again at the end of the draft and everywhere just to make sure everybody knows. But, yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on. But uh, go ahead, Tyler. Okay. Yeah, um, I don't know. Joe, Joe Burrow is the real deal. Um, but there's a lot of concerns with this team. Uh, like, you know, the offensive line is not good. Um, you know, I kind of hope that they would be better this year than they were last year, but so far they haven't really proven that's been the case, even though, you know, they got basically a rookie back from last year, this year. Um, you know, the defense is concerning. Uh, they actually look good in week one, but I think that's more of the Chargers just suck on offense, or at least they did that week. Uh, you know, guys were out there, like, <laughs> um, up high and one arm trying to tackle dudes like Nick Chubb and. I mean, it was super disappointing. Joe Burrow looks good, though. Um, I think most people pretty much thought that he would, and, and he has. But they're going to have to get him some help, um, like, quickly. Um, anything they can do to help him, because he's he looks like he's going to be a really good player, but they gotta, they're got they going to have to get him some help. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow is the truth. And uh, I've listened to multiple other podcasts and other things from some experts out there. And, you know, they're saying Joe Burrow can bring Super Bowls to – Cincinnati, but if he's going to bring Super Bowls to Cincinnati, he's going to need help on that front line because let's face the fact, Fred Johnson or whatever his name is and Bobby Hart are complete and other tools. I don't, I don't understand how they're starting NFL linemen because I mean, what they, the, all you did was highlights after highlights of, of them doing nothing and just getting destroyed all night long. Like the Bengals obviously cannot judge offensive talent. I mean, there's probably better guys on the street right now than what they have at their starting line. But uh, what do you have on the game, Nick? Yeah, uh, you guys covered a lot of it. Um, horrific tackling unit is what I took away from the Bengals' defense. I mean, these guys – I get Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are really good running backs that break a ton of tackles a year. But, good Lord, there was an issue there uh, with that Bengals' defense. 
Um, more importantly, I feel like AJ Green did not look good at all, uh, like at all. I mean, he got 13 targets, I think, in only three receptions. That's pretty disappointing um, when you are a Bengals fan. Uh, I hope the injuries haven't washed him at this point because he obviously is a great talent um, when we watched him in his prime. So I certainly hope that he still has a little bit of that magic left. Tyler Boyd looked like the most consistent target on that offense. Um, and then you have Joe Mixon kind of as a secondary option. But um, it's really Tyler Boyd uh, as the main receiver there, two straight 1,000-yard receiving uh, seasons. I agree with Tyler. I, I love what I saw from Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be terrific. Um, and, and honestly, um, on the defensive side of the ball for the, the, the Bengals, it's just a lot to work on. The, the young linebackers look bad. Uh, Logan Wilson's getting punched in the mouth all game. Um, Will, William Jackson had a rough game. It was just rough all the way around. Um, for the Browns, I liked what I saw out of Baker. He had a way better game than he did against the Ravens, but I'm still not sold on him. Uh, he's got to show me consistent performances from here on out. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of what you just said. I will have to uh, defend a little bit on your A.J. Green. I know he had 13 targets, but if I rec- uh, recall correctly, I think only like five of those 13 targets were actually considered catchable targets. So I had, to, I just had to give a, I mean, he did look bad. I won't argue there. AJ green definitely doesn't look like the same wide receiver, but is it because of injuries and he, and he hasn't played for two years? Or is it rust or injuries? Like is he the same wide receiver or is he yeah. just trying to knock off the rust? You know, that's the big thing. Exactly what you're, what you're saying is exactly what I'm trying to figure out. Like is AJ green, is he is he coming out of the gate slow because, you know, it's he's rusty because he ain't played in two years and he didn't play, you know, he didn't get much practice time in? Or is this just a factor of a dude who's two years older and maybe he's he don't have that much left? You know what I mean? I hope it's only the first part of what I said, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's still early two weeks in. But uh, go ahead, Chris. Do you have any comments that we haven't covered for this game? I mean, yeah, but maybe we'll see them from that, but it's the London end. The London end is terrible. So, they got ran over last week against the Chargers as well. They made a rookie running back like he's been in the league all for, the, for like three years now. Um, the secondary, I'm sorry, the secondary is good. I don't think, I like the secondary, they took nine, uh, Alexander looked pretty good. John Ross, I'm going to do it off. And John Ross is a, does he even show up? And that, I, I haven't seen him. He had a lot of targets week one. Yeah, he runs a four two two, and he doesn't show up on tape. He, he, that's all he ever was, was a, a, a speedster. He was never more of anything than that. What a win for the pit. It's a lineman with that pit. Yeah, I mean, we we covered that game. We get this game pretty well. I mean, the you said something that we didn't. I don't think any of us really covered was the run. I mean, Joshua Kelly against the Chargers looked amazing, and then this week, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go all over the place. So this Bengals defensive line is really bad, and run game is bad. And I'm I'm curious on how much that deals without having Atkins in the lineup. Like, is that going to change a little bit when he comes back, or is this what we're going to expect all season? Uh, but I think that's all we have for this game. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on and uh, just knock out Monday night football predictions and everything, and then we'll move on to the big uh, 
headlines for the week. But uh, tonight we got a big game. Uh, I'm excited for it. We got the my Las Vegas Raiders that I'm excited for this season and predicting a playoff run. And then we have the New Orleans Saints. So uh, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Nick and let him give him his uh, predictions for tonight's game. Yeah, um, interesting game. Probably no Michael Thomas, uh, which is significant. I, especially for Breeze, that's his big safety target, his safety valve. So a lot of the, a lot of the brunt of the expectations goes to Emmanuel Sanders now, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, uh, I guess Taysom Hill too, um, as you throw him in there. Um, so. Everyone has to pick it up now uh, with Michael Thomas out, Drew Brees included uh, in that. I thought he was okay in week one, not great, um, could be better. Um, I love that defense mode that they have uh, in New Orleans. I think it's a very underrated. Dorian Davis is great. Um, Rashawn Lattimore, still very good. Marcus Williams, a very underrated safety. Uh, and then they have that front as well, Cam Jordan. Um, is great. One of the best edge rushers in the league. You know, Sheldon Rankin's still there. Very, very talented um, front as well. Um, and I think the, the Raiders are very intriguing, too. They did go to battle with Carolina, but I think you have to look at Josh Jacobs, maybe a top five running back. He's one of the best in the game right now. Ridiculous physical player. Um, and, and then, you know, I, I Derek Carr, is, it's going to be up to Derek Carr really to pick up the slack. Uh, certainly going to have to play big uh, today. We'll see if Ruggs plays. I think he is a game-time decision. Um, but I think they have the opportunity here. I think the Raiders are certainly not out of this, and I think this could be close, um, especially with Michael Thomas likely out. Even if the Raiders don't have the greatest defense in the world, they do have an offense that can put up some points. We saw that in week one. So, We'll see how it works out, but I think that Darren Wall is definitely a mismatch for the Saints defense um, when you look at it across the board, too. So this is this is a possible win, especially for the first game in Las Vegas. They're going to be hyped up, even without fans. You're, unless there's limited fans here um, with the limited capacity, they're going to be hyped up to win this game. So who do you got winning? I've got the Saints. I won't predict the Raiders. i got the Saints, but I'm thinking they're going to win in a nail-biter. Okay. Uh, Tyler, what do you have for tonight's game? Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Saints. I think that Michael Thomas um, being out is going to hurt them, like, down the road probably more than it will tonight. Um, you know, when we did our season predictions, I said I didn't think the Raiders were going to be very good, so I don't think that this is a uh, necessarily a tough game for New Orleans, even with um, Michael Thomas missing. So I will um, I will take the Saints – by like 10, maybe like 30 to 20 tonight. Oh, wow. And uh, Chris, what do you have? Wow, you got the Saints at 10? That's disrespectful. Maybe if they had Michael Thomas to keep my 10, um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Raiders. The opening, the, the hot and hot stadium, that's what it looks like to me. Um, we got Henry Ruggs. I really think Henry Ruggs and Spencer Field didn't play tonight. Um, I don't, who's on the other side of the, from the Raiders? Braylon Edwards. Oh. As a one hour ago from Ian, uh, Ian Rappaport, Henry Ruggs listed as questionable with a knee injury is this week is expected to play tonight. Oh, sweet. All right. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Raiders, Mike. Let me. Yeah, I, I'm also uh, 
I have this game really close. I think it should be a really good game. I uh, have to agree with a lot what Nick said here. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs is probably going to be a top five running back in the NFL and definitely by the end of the season. Uh, uh, definitely with Barkley and McCaffrey missing sometime this year, we'll get to, which we'll get to here soon. Um, but I also uh, I like Henry Ruggs. I mean, he, he's just, you know, one second away from taking the ball to the house. He's shown a lot of ability and, you know, shown that he's living up to his drafts height, definitely being the first one taken off the board as a wide receiver position in last year's draft. Um, I'm hoping to see Braylon Edward take a bigger uh, step up this week. Uh, I had, a, uh, he had a lot of hype coming out of camp. So let's see if he can live up to it. I also think Darren Waller is a mismatch for this team, but we just also said uh, uh, Demario Davis is underrated. And I think he can at least uh, give some Waller some, uh, run for his money, but uh, I think they're going to be excited to be playing at home. Uh, I have a lot of high hopes for this Raiders team, and I'm going to say that the Raiders win uh, like a 24 to 27 kind of game. You know, field goal. It's going to be a close game, but I, I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, Chris here. I'm going to pick the Raiders to win tonight's game, and uh, it should be a good one. So we'll go ahead and keep moving on to uh, the big news headlines. This week, and I think the biggest news coming out this week, which is bringing us to college football, is that the Big Ten is returning to play this season and looking at a late October start. They have already announced their schedules. So this is pretty massive news and pretty exciting news. And a lot of players who already uh, committed for the 2021 NFL draft and who have signed uh, agents are now trying to opt back into the season. So it's going to be curious if the NCAA is going to allow them and see what happens there. But uh, I'm pretty excited to see the Big Ten returning. I, uh, so I'll go ahead and pass it off to Tyler and see what he has to say. Yeah, uh, we've been hearing rumblings, I think, about those like rumors for the last couple of weeks that, you know, this might be coming. And it finally has, and I'm glad it has because I think that they definitely should play. So I'm excited kind of to see how that plays out. And um, now we just need the Pac-12 to get on board because apparently they still don't have anything in the works to play that I know of unless I've missed it. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'll look into that, but I'll go ahead and let Chris uh, talk about the Big Ten since he's a Nebraska fan because I know he's probably excited. So go ahead, Chris. Oh, yeah. Nebraska really got the bad end of the stick here. Well, if that's what happens when the head coach comes out and says, we want to play, we want to play, we want to play so bad. Here's Ohio State for the first game. So, the last of Ohio State, I think that's October 23rd. That's the note. And then, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm uh, kind of wondering why this didn't happen sooner, considering that and have everyone else opening the league. Yeah, um, it's definitely uh, interesting. I think after Ohio State came out, Ryan Day, I mean, I know Nebraska's been on the forefront, you know, trying to play and Scott Frost and everything, but it seems like it really picked up uh, a lot of steam when Ryan Day and Ohio State, because they carry more weight, no offense there, but uh, I think when they came out and started – really voicing that they wanted to play and then Michigan follow suit. I think that was enough to get the rest of the conference to get on there. But before I pass the buck off to uh, Nick, let him give it uh, chime in. Uh, it looks like that the PAC 12 voted 
to play football and bring it back next week. It may not include all 12 teams at the outset of at all of 2020, but they're looking to start football October 31st. So it looks like all big power five conferences are in to play football this year. Uh, okay, Nick, I'll go ahead and let you uh, chime in really fast. Yeah, um, it's always a tough issue for this one. Um, but I always thought, and I never understood why the power five, because these, these conferences are so intertwined, the ACC, SEC, Big 12, Big 10, and the Pac-12, they are so intertwined with each other. I never got why they didn't uniformly decide together. I always thought that was odd, that the Big Ten, you know, jumps the shark and cancels, Pac-12 falls, and then the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 continue to go and play on. It's always been something that has rubbed me the wrong way. Um, it's very odd and disorganized and looks obvious. It is very bad optics um, on However, kind of you look at it. I'm excited football is back uh, for these conferences, and, and I'm looking forward to watching them. And, you know, guys like Rashad Bateman coming back, I certainly hope that they, they want to play football. I hope that, you know, they are allowed to play, too. I think they should be allowed to play, um, even after signing with an agent. I hope they allow them. You know, if Micah Parsons comes back, I hope they allow him. Uh, these guys deserve to play football if they want to. Yeah, they, uh, this is, I agree a lot with what you're saying. These players do deserve to play. It's not that they're, it's not their fault that their teams and conferences without talking to them, uh, decided not to play. And then all of a sudden halfway through seeing that they can play, decide to play after these uh, players have decided to move on. These players should be allowed to play and the NCAA should do the right thing and let them play, but we know they usually don't. So let's, uh, hope for the best because. We never know what's going to happen. But uh, so uh, that's the big news, I think. But we'll go ahead and move on to the shaking my head and trying to understand uh, NFL and how the salary cap works with the Los Angeles Rams giving uh, Robert Woods a contract extension and giving him a nice payday along with Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cup. Um, I just want to know where they're rubbing these pennies together and getting this money because – I don't understand the salary cap anymore. Um, I'll go ahead and pass it along to Nick and let him give his uh, thoughts on Robert Woods' contract. Yeah, uh, the Rams are convincing me right now that the salary cap doesn't exist. They are spending money. Listen, the cap might fall this year. Like, there's a very real chance the cap falls. So you're spending this a ton of money on these guys, and you're if you can't pay them next year you have to kick the can down by restructuring them you know to 2023 2022 all these years it's gonna be weird i don't know how they're paying these guys but they might either be preparing for cuts um i mean obviously they get rid of brandon cooks that certainly helped them to clear the books to a degree um we'll see how they're doing this this is impressive stuff uh from the rams front office and let's need to fit all these contracts under the cap but I guess when you have raw money, I mean, Stan Greinke clearly opening up the checkbooks, keeping this team together uh, with Sean McVay. And they, they're humming right now, too. You got Woods, you got Cup, you got Ramsey back. You got the core players there. They got a nice young core on defense. Guys like Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller playing well. Uh, Aaron Donald is still the best player in the game, in my opinion. 
Um, so you have a nice team here, and uh, keep keep chugging forward at if they can do it, they can do it. Uh, the salary cap magic continues. I again, and this is why I say salary cap doesn't exist because you can do stuff like this. Yeah, definitely a lot of good points that you uh, brought up there. Um, it is interesting what the Rams are doing. I do know for a fact because it was tweeted by I, I'll have to search it up and get back to it. But one of the big boys, Ian Rappaport, Adam Sheffer, one of them said that for the 2021 uh, season, the uh, the Los Angeles Rams are 12 or nine million dollars over cap right now. So they're gonna have to make some cuts. They're gonna uh, have to do something because nine million dollars and it's only the beginning of the 2020 season. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do, but they are doing the right things and keeping the the core players around to try to make another run. And they could just say they're giving contracts. I can't just say they're going for it this year, but I'm just curious on see if this happens. But uh, I'll go ahead and let Chris uh, give his thoughts about the Ruth contract. Chris. Um. Yeah, I don't know whether in the front, uh, I'll put an into it. And next season, this salary cap comes up to $917,000. And it knows how much players cost. That's like, it's not even a whole contract, $917,000. And shit. So, you know, they're going to have to work or play some people. If they're not going to be able to afford players, and like Nick was saying, the salary cap got to fall down. So, what do they do next? Uh, going to Robert Woods? Robert Woods is a great wide receiver. He's worth all that money. Um, he can keep the uh, uh, he can, uh, hit the he, uh, I think it was the third. So, why are you paying this guy so much money when you just at this guy? What? I don't understand. Are they paying them so they can trade them and the contract for them done? Like, I yeah, don't uh, understand it, what's going on here. I'm sorry, Van Jefferson was in the second round. Wow, the second round. That's even better. Yeah, I mean... It, it is, and he, he showed out during hard knocks. We know that never always means something, but he did impress, and Jalen Ramsey thinks he's good. So, I mean, that has to say something for you. I mean, it's it's very curious on what the Rams are doing. Um, it, I don't know. It, it, I'll, I, I'm just befuddled right now. I'll go ahead and let uh, it, Tyler you, uh, Actually, you saw the Howard thing. It's well in the Howard thing as well. Did he? Yeah. Uh, Tyler, what do you have on the contract? Yeah, um, apparently the Rams are using the same bank the Chiefs are using, but um, you said that they, <laughs> the Rams are actually over the cap with the with this deal, which is weird to me because, like, 
I, I don't. I'm not sure that if I'm the Rams that I'm going to pay um, Woods this much money. I mean, he's a fine player, but I'm not sure that I'm going to make myself go over the cap for a guy like Woods, especially like you said when you got a guy like Van Jefferson sitting there that you took in the second round. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to spend all that coin on Robert Woods, who, again, I mean, he's a fine player. He's a good wide receiver, but I'm not sure that I'm going to pay that type of money and, and make my cap situation, you know, worse than it already is for him, though. Okay, so I, I it was it was $9 million before the Robert Woods extension. It is now the oh, range okay, over 14, there It is now over $14 million for 2021. NFL season, just barely under Nick's team, the Steelers, who are at $16 million over the cap for next season. But uh, and that's an awful number. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, and we, you, they're expecting the salary to go down next year, too. So it's not, it's not a good look for these teams that are giving out these contracts. Um, we'll I really think the Steelers should, uh, Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was gonna say I think the Steelers should go ahead and cut like Fitzpatrick or maybe um, oh, uh, TJ Watt or fun. something. But that's just that's just my yeah, opinion. It might not mean anything. <laughs> I think it's time for Joe Hayden to go. You know. But uh, we'll get ahead and go to the next big. Con- I shouldn't have called it big, but the next guy who got paid, another running back got paid, and a shocking one that got paid, uh, Tyreek Cohen. Uh, gets a good little contract extension with the Bears, who are usually known not to give contracts throughout the middle of the season. So it, definitely during this Allen Robinson time where uh, Allen Robinson's wanting to get paid to match his uh, talent and, uh, and all these other receivers are getting paid. So uh, it's interesting. So, uh, Chris, what do you have on this Cohen? I mean, is there much to say, though? What do you have? I mean, why didn't pay the guy? Why didn't pay the one that who, honestly, I don't, Actually, I don't know who's on the field because he really doesn't get the game that much. But why isn't paying this guy when you have a wide receiver and an elite wide receiver that you can get paid? So you're just telling Alan Robinson, sorry, we're going to pay Helen, not you. We're going to let you walk. So when you just have a fan base when Kutnitsky has no wide receiver? Yeah, well, I mean, Trubisky's playing ball. Oh, they got ten tight ends, though. They got ten tight ends. Yeah. Old man Graham, baby. Grandpa Graham. But uh, what do you have on uh, yeah, what do you have on it, Tyler, with uh, the Cohen? Yeah, I mean, I don't really got a ton to say. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's a little bit surprising. I mean, it's not a it's not a ton of money, but to me. Cohen very, very rarely, like, flashes. Um, a lot of times you don't even know he's on the field. They don't give him a ton of carries. I'm assuming that's because he's not really actually a really good running back. He's more of a pass catcher and guy like that. But, I mean, I don't have a lot on it. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily terrible, but I don't think it's great either. I think it's just a mm, type of um, move for them. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But uh, before I give my comments, I'll let uh, Nick uh... – Give off what he has to say. Yeah, it's pretty curious too to me, guys. They're paying him almost as much as the Browns are paying Kareem Hunt now, and I think you and I both know the huge disparity between Kareem Hunt and Tariq Cohen. It's not even close. Uh, I mean, it's 
awful. It, it's an awful contract, in my opinion. I mean, Tori Cohen just doesn't do much for them. Uh, they get most of what he does in their other running backs. David Montgomery is clearly better. If they need a pass catcher, they can find one in the draft that can do what Cohen does. It's not hard to find guys that do what Cohen does. And I don't know what – they're not paying Allen Robinson. I don't know what they're doing there. I think he – if you know, I know they're 2-0 right now, but if it shakes up like it continues to, if, say, they go even maybe 3-5, and 4-4 four and four by the time the trade deadline's rolling around, I think Allen Robinson is a trade deadline candidate for sure. Um, a big one at that. Trade deadlines heated up in recent years. He'd be a huge, huge acquisition, even at Peter Russell. Yeah, yeah. I agree with a lot of what you're saying right there. Definitely with Allen Robinson being, if uh, like you're saying, the Bears are 2-0 and right now, but that can easily change with their quarterback situation. I mean, Mitch Trubisky's done this before and looked, has looked impressive and then just completely has shot to bed for the rest of the season. And giving Cohen $6 million a season to be – of maybe, you know, who, like, he just disappears so often. I mean, he could have been and could be a Darren Sproles, but he doesn't show up enough. He doesn't do it enough to be getting this kind of money and coin. I mean, I don't know what the Bears are doing here. I mean, that's why they've been a laughing stock of our division for a little while now. And as a Packer fan, I have no problem with it. I like seeing it. But uh, I know uh, a couple of our guests, uh, listeners, are Bears fans. Definitely a, one of our old guests, Corey guests. He's probably going to be listening to this and screaming at me for making these comments. But yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a great great extension. Uh, I don't think there's much more we need to say. But I do agree if uh, if they're shit in the bed that Allen Robinson would be a trade deadline candidate to try to recoup some of those draft picks they gave up a couple years ago for Mac. But uh, we'll go ahead and keep moving on to uh, some of these massive injuries this weekend. I mean, my God. Every time you're looking on Twitter or watching a game, another player went down. I mean, we can't cover the whole list because we'll be here for hours trying to talk about everybody who got injured this weekend. But we'll go ahead and try to cover some of the big ones. Obviously, the biggest two of the weekend were uh, CMC, Christian McCaffrey, and Saquon Barkley going down. Barkley going out for the year and uh, McCaffrey looking uh, four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. I mean, and then, you you know – Nick Boza with the ACL as well. Drew Locke, Cam Sutton. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert. I mean, you you can just name any team, and some team had some kind of injury problem this week. And uh, I'll just go ahead and uh, let uh, Nick uh, cover any of the injuries if he wants to on any of the big injuries this weekend. Oh, man. Uh, what in the world happened? I have no idea. I've never seen so many injuries. I feel like something happened this week. Something was in the water. Um, but I feel awful for Saquon. Uh, that's the one that's really struck me. Um, I mean, he's been surrounded by almost nothing for his brief NFL career. Daniel Jones plays a good week one game, and now he tears his ACL. It's awful for Saquon. Awful for Saquon. And, and you know, ACL tears for running backs can be career-changing. We've gotten better modern medicine as time goes on. and You know, it, it's gotten better, but I think we've seen running backs And it really is worrying uh, for me if six months will be the same back. I know it's freaks like Adrian Peterson come back and, you know, rush for 2,000 yards. Adrian Pearson 
was a freak. Uh, Saquon is a freak himself. Hopefully he comes back fully healthy and, you know, as Saquon would be Saquon. But I am worried about his future career, and that sucks uh, to really look at. And honestly, um, I'm devastated for that. And it sucks to be a Giants fan right now. I would not want to be a Giants fan. You guys are currently in contention for the number one overall pick. Um, although that's probably going to be the Jets. Um, one more on Drew Locke. I think this puts the Broncos in a very odd situation. Bob Miller is probably out for the year. Portland Sutton done for the year. Yeah, Draymond Jones out now. Philip Lindsay's out. With so many injuries, and now your quarterback's out. You know, if the Broncos are tanking, or Drew Locke has to, you know, call it a season if this gets worse instead of better. And if they get in a position to take Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, I think they got to pull the trigger on the quarterback. It's just a shame because Drew Locke, this was his audition season, essentially. This was his season to show he could be the guy, but I don't know if he's going to get that anymore. And, and I mean, I, don't, I just think if you're the Broncos, you get in the range to take one of those quarterbacks. I don't think you can pass up on them anymore. It's really unfortunate for Drew Locke that, you know, this opportunity might have been blown for him. Yeah, it, it does kind of suck for them. I hate seeing that. It is a tough time to be a Giants fan. But, uh, Tyler, do you have any comments for, about these injuries from over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, there were so many of them, and it, it's crazy. Um, you know, Saquon, obviously, I think it's the biggest one of the, of the you know, on the list. But, you know, McCaffrey is, is big, too. And, you know, the one thing that I'll say, obviously, it's, it's tough for the player, um, you know, to go down like that, especially young guys like, uh, Saquon, but like I don't think like these teams weren't expected to be good anyway. I guess if they, if there's like a silver lining, that's probably it. Um, you know, the Broncos injuries are are something because I um predicted the Broncos to be really good this year, and you know Locke now is going to be out for probably a handful of games. Uh, Sutton's out for the year, so yeah, I find it hard to believe that my Broncos prediction is going to hold up now. But you know, stuff does happen, and and it has. Yeah, I mean, we all were pretty uh, bullish on the Broncos this year and losing Von Miller, A.J. Boye, Cam Sutton, Drew Drew Locke, and who else knows what at the rate it's going for them. I, I'm pretty much going to go ahead and say it's time to uh, bail on the Broncos' uh, hype this year. I hate to see it because I was excited for the team. But talking about a team that could be in contention for the number one pick is the Broncos with the injuries that they're dealing with. Um, I'll go ahead and let uh, Chris uh, give his uh, thoughts on some of the injuries this weekend. I mean, you know, a lot of, are you really going to take the ones, or are you going to take them that at what tackle them wouldn't? A lot of offensive lines is awful. They haven't been able to fix it in the past couple of years. Even when Peyton Manning was there, it was suspect. Um, no, yeah, no, no. A chance to grab the quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, but I really don't think that they're going to get the chance to grab Trevor Lawrence because they have a couple teams in front of them. The Broncos are still good, even without Drew Locke. They have Melvin Norton, they still have Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. They took the Steelers all the way from the Lions uh, yesterday, and then they had no Drew Locke or Sutton. So, I don't think that they're going to be in contention to get once they don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there's the, I mean, the Jets are, Nick said it, they're worst. I mean, the Jets are definitely probably in the contention for, I mean, for Lawrence. And I mean, shockingly, I thought the Jaguars would have been, but they're fighting everybody tooth and nail. Um, I mean, I mean, really, is it live up on the family? No, uh, the net. On family. Yeah. I, I mean, as long as Adam Gase is there, I wouldn't draft another offensive weapon. But that's going down another rabbit hole that we could talk about for Tony 30, 40 minutes. Um, it, it, but, it is a few, it is a few, no, I'm saying if, if Nick is on, uh, it is a few, I'm thinking about Peyton, uh, trying to play for Peyton Donald or something. And I just feel like this guy has talent, but he's just stuck in Metal Netherland with uh, Andrew. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I said, we can get them that crazy road. I mean, if the Jets were smart after they saw Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, and all and company of offensive weapons go off once Gase left, uh, the Jets would should have been wise and bailed off of him. But we'll just ignore that for another day because, like I can said, I we'll talk about, about uh, Han here. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, that. A really big loss, not just for the Giants, but for the NFL. Juan Barkley was becoming a cornerstone. Honestly, I thought he might be the next Barry Sanders. He's just that talented and multifaceted. And it's just a big loss for the whole NFL and NFL fans everywhere. Like, like Nick was saying, you never know how these guys are going to come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about how it's going to come back from this. What if David Johnson, you still haven't been the same since he was his. Yeah, it's it, it's never a good sign. Definitely a young career of a running back that tears ACL. I mean, but many Adrian Peterson recovered. I mean, there's you can go both ways. A lot have recovered and others haven't recovered. Uh, so, I mean, we had to just wait and see with Jaquan. It really does suck that he's injured because he was a fun, one of the best players to watch. Um, but I was going to go ahead and say this right there. I mean, for all you fantasy fa- players out there that listen, don't waste your money and time on Devontae Freeman, because if they do sign him, Saquon Barkley couldn't do anything with that offensive line. Do you think that old crudgely running back's going to come in and do something? But uh, we'll just go ahead. <laughs> you know what? That's so funny. This morning, somebody just dropped the – Christian Kirk for Devontae Freeman. And I'm like, what are you doing? Christian Kirk is going to get way more points than Devontae Freeman. Yeah. Um, we'll just, and you know, like I said, we've missed many of injuries. Not trying to be offensive to anybody's teams or importance of players, but I mean, it was just an insane weekend. I mean, there was something, like Nick said, in the water that these players were dropping left and right. I mean, Devon, I mean, I didn't even cover my guys. I mean, the Packers lost Devontae Adams to an injury, our center to an injury. I mean, like I said, this, the list can go on and on. The charge of the Tyrod Taylor. I mean, it's it's just it's just insane. So we'll just, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on, and we're going to go ahead to the the Misfits games of the week. Uh, these are obviously our teams that we're going to talk about, and I'm going to go ahead and uh with uh, we're going to talk about a. Uh, Nick's our guest uh, team in his game. 
I won't have much to say because unfortunately that game was blacked out in my area and I couldn't watch it or I refused to watch it because I was trying to watch Sunday ticket and not go to my local channels. But uh, Nick, what do you have on the Pittsburgh Denver game? Oh Lord. That is an inconsistent <laughs> team. Oh my gosh. I was up 17-3. It's looking great. Great. I mean, it's looking great. And then for some reason, Randy Feetner, the uh, got to be one of the worst offensive coordinators. Yeah, I know this guy runs, draws on second and 18, and then it, he essentially punts it after a bad first down. It's conservative play calling at its worst, especially when Ben is playing well, and he was playing very well in the first half. I mean, he was dicing up that Broncos secondary. They take the ball out of Ben's hands. They don't let him do what he does best. And so you put the game in the hands of James Carter and Benny Stell for God knows what reason. I don't understand it. It was an odd coaching plan after they went up, and it allowed them, it allowed the Broncos to creep back in. And I mean, that's the brunt of that first first part of it. And then you get to the defense. I mean, great pass rush, yes. But what the heck was going on in the secondary? All game. I mean, there was not a bat. There was not a player in the secondary not named Mike Hilton that did not have a bad game. Minka Fitzpatrick looked bad. I mean, that's how bad it was. Minka was bad. Uh, everyone was getting beat. Bush got cooked by Fant. Judy was making tough catches. There were gaping holes in the secondary. Hayden and Nelson both looked bad. I've never seen the Steelers secondary look worse. I don't know why the Steelers do this, but they always have a a tradition of making backup quarterbacks that they don't go into the game planning for it look great. Ryan Hoyer was last year. It, they do it all the time. They've done it to Ryan Mallett before, Terrell Pryor. I mean, these guys are scrubs that are out of the league, and they made them look like all pros. Uh, it's ridiculous what this defense does, no matter the talent level. Um, but, yeah, this is a concerning game for the Steelers, uh, mainly on the coaching side of things. Two costly turnovers on a bed, bed interception and a Benny Snell fumble. Um, too many penalties, even if some were really ticky-tack. Uh, you cannot put up 10 penalties and extend so many drives for the Broncos. Concerning game for the Steelers. They have so much potential, so much talent, uh, but they have to learn from this. They can't beat the Ravens, Kansas City, Buffalo, not even New England after what we saw last night playing like this. Uh, so they have a long way to go if they play like this. This was an awful game, especially after a strong showing in week one against the Giants. Yeah, my uh, big thing, I guess, uh, that I always want to talk to Steelers fans because I used to live outside of Pittsburgh for a little over a year, so I was surrounded by Steelers fans. And, you know, back then, that was three, four years, five years ago. Um, they were done with Tomlin then, and – Tomlin still hasn't been to the playoffs in a, little, a couple, like, I think it was it three, four years. Um, he struggled. I, I mean, I'm not trying to say he's not a good head coach, but I feel like his his voice has fallen upon death ears on that team in Pittsburgh. And it's almost time, like, just to let him move on or get rid of him like the Eagles did with uh, Andy Reid, because I just don't think uh, Tomlin has the same respect in that locker room that he once had. Or is that just me, Nick? I think it's just you. This has been something he's done since he's come here. Uh, the Steelers notoriously played down the competition. It's a Tomlin thing. I think he's still very revered in the locker room. I just don't know why they do this. They play down to opponents. 
Um, and they play up to opponents, too. So this Steelers team will take the Ravens to the wire, uh, maybe even beat them. It's ridiculous. It's, they shouldn't be this up and down like a roller coaster. That's a coaching thing, uh, no matter how you play to it. But it's not all Tomlin's fault with this one. You can put some of the blame on it, but his offensive coordinator was calling off the plays. The players made a ton of penalties, turnovers. The Steelers flat out should have won this game easily, but they played sloppy football and have to clean it up. They look like they're playing preseason games out there. And, I mean, you say this. We say this with the Steelers every year, Steelers fans. The real season starts in week six. I mean, this is real. This is legitimate. This team comes out slow for the first six weeks every game, every year. Every year. I don't understand it. They have one of the most physical camps in the league. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. That's a coaching staff issue. That's a common issue. They ramp it up in the second half and have a great second half of the season. I'm glad they do, but you can't come out every season and lollygag your way through the first six games. It's just not yeah, acceptable, that, but I'm glad we're 2-0. Yeah, that was my whole point with the Tomlin, everything I was speaking of is because of how rough they always started and how they look. And, I mean, it was a head-scratcher, I know, at the time when they hired who they hired for the OC, and it's obviously not working out, and it's, you know, almost time to jump bail ship there on your OC because – he obviously is not good with what he does. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, uh, Tyler talk about this game if he has anything to say. Uh, yeah, I I actually wasn't able to watch this game. Um, before the game started, obviously, I, I kind of thought that the game would be super competitive, and I even thought the Broncos would probably win the game. And then I see that Log gets hurt, and then I see that somehow they were able to keep the game competitive regardless. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was a little bit shocking to me that they were able to do that even without Locke. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was, was disturbing because Jeff Driscoll at the line never looked good, and now as a Bronco, he looked like an all-pro against the Steelers, like Nick was saying. But, uh, Chris, do you have anything on this game? I mean, it looked like, like it was saying, in the first half, they hit out and they were on fire, right? Like, you were saying, it then looked like they were old. The Steelers were hunting. And then I think when Drew Locke got hurt, the Steelers got really impatient. So when you get impatient, and that impatience sets in, that's when you start making mistakes. That's when you start getting penalties. That's when you start becoming conservative with your plate hauling. Which I don't understand. You have this team on the ropes, built for the knockout. You don't have to run a draw play on what, like, third down or something, and then run that draw play. And I'm like, what? What are we doing here? Why? Okay, so, it, it, you know, the Cousins had this problem when, when they had no tennis. They get out, there's a simple thousand teams. And they can start like 0 and 4 or 2 and 4. And then, like, they try and turn it on down the road. And yeah, they would make the playoffs. But, but you play with fire, and how many times can you play with fire when you get burned? And yeah. whether Steel fans like it or not, Mike Tomlin couldn't get fired at the season because it's about wins and postseason appearances. This is a franchise. That all makes the playoffs. 
Yeah, it's going to be – it is definitely interesting with uh, Tomlin this year. I mean, obviously, he makes the playoffs. He's going to be safe. But, I mean, he had – I mean, the Steelers have been struggling the last couple of years and haven't made an appearance in the last couple of years. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Nick probably, Nick knows a lot more about the Steelers than that we do. I mean, we're just outside looking in here. Um, but, I mean, we could – this, this game is uh, – they should have blown him out. Definitely after all the injuries, the Steelers, I mean, everybody knocked it out of the park, I think, with what they're saying about this game. Um, it's going to be curious on how they come out next week and see if they recuperate after this ugly performance. But, uh, we'll next? go ahead. Nick, uh, who you got next week? Uh, we play the Texans, and I actually like the, I like the Steelers in that matchup for sure. Uh, I think they have a yeah. the matchup. Well, wow. Yeah, with that I offensive line, you guys – yeah, Deshaun Watson's going to be running for his life. Get again, unfortunately. Yeah. Free Deshaun Watson, please. Or fire Bill O'Brien, one or two. Yeah, I mean, poor Deshaun. Yeah, you're right. It, this game, That game should look a lot like the Giants game where you guys are just in the backfield nonstop. Oh. Yep, that's for sure. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about, I think, probably everybody's game of the week. With the massive comeback, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Atlanta Falcons. And all I have to say is, what were the Falcons thinking on that onside kick? I mean, come on. Three Falcons had multiple opportunities to jump on that ball before five yards and sat there and just watched the, the line Cowboys jump on it and win the game. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, besides Dak Prescott, you screwed me. You were supposed to hand those balls off to Ezekiel Elliott on the one-yard line, not take them in yourself. But um, I'll go ahead and let uh, Tyler talk about this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm never really surprised when the Falcons um, blow any leads. Um, their defense is very good. <laughs> they showed it again yesterday. Uh, I don't know how the head coach even has a job, to be honest with you. At least on that team, he shouldn't be a head coach. But no, Yeah, he, he should have be been fired. gone. Yeah, he would have been gone for me after the um, Super Bowl incident. He would not have even made it onto the uh, the bus after that. But yeah, I'm not surprised <laughs> any time that. I mean, honestly, I would be one of those shitty owners. Like, I mean, like when it comes yeah, to that, like I, no coach. nonsense. But oh yeah, man, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say anything to him. I would tell him over a text. But um, <laughs> oh my. yeah, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, no, no players would sign with me because I'd be like, yeah, this dude's going to uh, fire me over a text. But, yeah, for real. Um, yeah, there's no way. You know, I'm not surprised when, when this happens with them because their defense just isn't any good. And they showed it yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. I was going to say it before passing it, but Dan Quinn's time in Atlanta is over. He got lucky to keep his job. I mean, he was on the hot seat coming into the season. And then to start off the season like he's had – he might not. He might be the first head coach gone. He might not make it to week eight. They might bail, jump and bail ship really fast because they're not looking good. He's a defensive coach, and their defense does not look good. Their defensive players they've drafted has not been developing under him. I mean, some coaches are not meant to be head coaches, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Dan Quinn was never meant to be a great head coach. He's just going to be a, probably go back to be a DC and be a great DC the rest of his career. But uh, I'll go ahead and uh, pass it along to Chris. What do you have on this game? Yeah, you want to talk about when the Sean Watson 
So I heard a stat today about this. So in the NFL history, teams that have held a 39-point game, just scored 39 points in a game, were before this game 444-0. and zero. The Undefeated when you scored 39 points or more in the NFL history until this weekend when the, the Falcons lost the game. That right there, that statistic should have got Dan Quinn fired. The first team in NFL history to lose a game after putting up 39 points. Yeah, I would have said to him, don't get on the bus. Find the ticket. You're not coming back to Atlanta. Because you could have, like Tyler said, you could have gotten fired that in the Super Bowl. And he definitely could have gotten fired last year. And I don't know how he's still not fired today. Yeah, uh, Arthur Blank is being very generous. But, uh, okay, what do you have, Nick? I mean, what do you have on this game? I mean, I didn't get to watch a ton of this, but I saw that outside kick. And the Falcons almost circled around it. Like, it can't, I, I don't know what they were doing. I, and you know what? It makes me think this is a coaching issue because they backed up. The coaches had to tell them that. The players didn't do it. The coaches did it. That's a coaching issue. And again, this falls upon the shoulders of Dan Quinn, who has just been, had a disastrous time. I feel bad for Matt Ryan. I feel bad for Julio Jones. I feel bad for all these talented guys on this Rockets offense. It's so unfortunate to see them put up a great game and then get smacked in the face by stuff like this. It really is. The Fal- yeah, it is. And the Falcons, I don't. I do not like Matt Ryan. I've always thought Matt Ryan was overrated coming out. Matt Ryan has always been an up-and-down quarterback. But Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. And that hurts me to say, but he's a good quarterback in the NFL. And he has been screwed a lot throughout his career with his head coaching, and, he, and he's not got the fair shake. So it's just sometimes it happens to players, and he's one of them. He's just – he got to the Super Bowl. He got an MVP. I mean, that is probably the highlight of his career, and it's nothing to be more than that. But, I mean, this team, I just feel bad for him. And, I'm, I mean – and I don't – we're not even talking about the Cowboys here. I mean, I don't, we're not giving the Cowboys any credit. I mean, the – I mean, you have to give them some credit. They came back and won the game. As well as they came back and won the game when the Atlanta Falcons – Never gave up a turnover. The Atlanta Falcons never turned over the ball for them to come back and win the game. They literally just stifled them and came back and scored and won the game. So, I mean, that's great head coach. God, it hurts to say with Mike McCarthy. But it's great (laughs) head coaching and defensive coordinating and offensive coordinating on that team. So you have to give some love. And special teams. I mean, that onside kick, I've never seen an onside kick like that before. And the ball spin. I mean, so 
applause to the Dallas Cowboys. Great win. Great comeback win. Um, I still don't think Dak Prescott's an elite NFL quarterback. He's not worth $40 million. He's going to get paid that, and it's going to be the team who gets it is going to regret it because I I honestly think the Cowboys not might not pay Dak Prescott, um, but that's a different story for a different podcast. Um, does anybody else have anything on this game, or can we move on to the next one? I'll take the silence as we can move on. And we'll go ahead and move on to my game of the week as a Packer fan. You have the Detroit Lions versus the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'll go ahead and say my piece, and then I'll pass it along. Um, I was worried in the first quarter. The Lions looked like the better team. They started off hot and fast. Um, the Packers' defense is still a liability. We cannot stop the run. I know we did somewhat this week, but, uh, I mean, Kenny Clark is our only player, and he was out this week. Uh, since we gave Dean Lowry a contract, he's been nothing but garbage. Uh, we still can't cover a tight end. I mean, we give Christian Kirksey this money and let Blake Martinez walk because he couldn't stop the, the tight end. And uh, TJ Hawkinson in the middle of the field was wide open all day long with Christian Kirksey. I mean, I like Kirksey. He looks good. He had 12 tackles. But uh, there was a little iffy there for the Packers. But then uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones got the offense going, and it, it was a shootout. We By the second quarter when we the game was over, we uh, Aaron Jones went out for 178 yards and two touchdowns. And, uh, I mean, Aaron Jones might be making a run for the MVP or at least NFC Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, he's having a hell of a year. Um, he says he's on the same level as CMC and Alvin Kamara. My God, I love the guy. But if the if he's if that's what he thinks he's at and that's the kind of money he's going to demand, Packer fans, if you're listening, you got to let him walk. We just drafted AJ Dillon in the second round, and we can bring back Jamal Williams on a cheaper deal than give a, uh, uh, Aaron Jones seventeen million dollars a year. That's just that's just insane. Sorry, love you, Jones. I do. I hope the best for you, but. I'm not giving you $17 million and definitely chase. I know chase wouldn't either. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Joe, I mean, I have to say I was wrong. I, Aaron Rodgers is coming out balling. He is saying you drafted a first a quarterback in the first round and traded up for him. All right. I'll show you. I still have it left in the tank. Um, Chris is giving me a lot of attitude on Saturday. I'll give him that. Uh, he was right. The Packers, uh, had six drops they accounted for, the coaches and everything. Um, Jay Sternberger, the third-round tight end from two years ago, I mean, touchdown pass he dropped and then a wide-open catch that would have went for 40 yards. He just just drops bricks. And then Alan Lazard dropped, MVS dropped. I mean, it was just – we had some drops on that day. So hopefully we can uh, cover up over that. But – uh our defense started to click again in the app and Rashawn Gary's coming on. So with Rashawn Gary and the Preston brothers, we have a dangerous threesome at the attacking your quarterback, but uh, I'll go ahead and pass the buck off to Chris for the Packers Lions game. Oh, well, that bad. Wait, what was that one more time? Go ahead, please. Let's repeat that for me one more time. The Lions don't look good, but you can't play okay. Matt and Stafford. I never said Matthew Stafford in our whole prediction shows, gentlemen. I just wanted to. I just said so, to you. I'm just thinking out loud here. 
Shandon Sullivan, undrafted guy oh. that I was talking up. I said Shandon Sullivan was going to be our slot guy, and he's he's balling out these last two weeks. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure on the defensive line, but defensive line is our weakness. Yeah, our secondary, our our rushers are good, but our without besides Kenny Clark, we don't have a defensive line, and D, and Kenny Clark was out this week. But uh, I'll go ahead and uh, pass it off to Tyler. Do you have anything for this game? Well, I mean, the Lions are making me and Chris look real stupid right now. I was making uh, I was um, telling you. You didn't want to listen. Hey, they got talent. But, I mean, you know, the Lions, the whole problem with the Lions is defense. And, and when we did our prediction show, that was mentioned. But, I mean, I guess that, you know, I can't speak for him, but I believe, Chris, I know I did, we thought that their defense would be more improved than what it is because the backers were able to do whatever they wanted yesterday. I mean, Aaron Jones was rush, running all over him. Um, I mean, averaging almost 10 yards a carry. So, I mean, the Giants' defense is, isn't there, and, and, you know, they're making us look like idiots, but this wouldn't be the first time. And I'll just have to say this, and I know it's unfair to point out, but you guys were blowing up Jeffrey Okuda. And I know it's unfair to say this, but I just had to say it anyways. Devontae Adams made him look like an idiot for the little bit that Devontae Adams was in that game. So, so who are you? Well, when you're talking about Dan Clay and how he having um, that that comes out with this, this why I Matt, but Pat, but whatever name is. I said that too during the prediction shows. And his defense looks like dog shit. And it's looked like dog shit for three years now. How long am I going to let dog shit rule the day? <laughs> I told you that during the prediction show, but you didn't want to listen. But uh, I'll go ahead and uh, we've left Nick out for a little bit. What do you, Nick, what do you have on this Packer game? Oh, boy. Uh, first off, Matt Patricia needs to be fired in the sun. This guy's an awful coach. I mean, he should be fired. Uh, he's really – this has been a failed experiment. Uh, the guys with his fellow chick coaches tree seemingly don't do well. And Patricia's yet another one of those guys that fails out of the grasp of Belichick. Um, first off, Matthew Stafford, I feel for this guy. He's a very talented quarterback. 
Um, no matter, I, I think he's borderline top 10. You can argue top 10. Makes some crazy throws. Uh, missing Galladay was a bit of a factor, but you, you can't defend what this defense did. This Lions defense got gashed. Gashed. I mean, the, the linebackers are downright awful. Jared Davis is still bad. Delaney Tavai, this guy was a second-round pick, a surprise second-round pick. He's been bad. I mean, this defensive line got blowed off the football. This secondary is a walking wounded full of hands, bad hamstrings. I mean, good God. I mean, what is, this is an awful defensive performance. I know Aaron Rodgers is back being Aaron Rodgers, which is nice to always see. Um, and Aaron Jones is great. Um, and I like Devontae Adams as well, obviously. He did beat Okuda, but I think Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the league. Um, so I'm not going to believe that for Okuda. His first wait, wait, Nick, can you uh, say that for me one more time? Just yeah, what is Devontae Adams? Adams? He's a top five receiver. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I heard that right. That's a lot, Nick. I'm sorry. He, now it's not going to shut up about it. I don't, I don't, I literally, I, there's not a receiver I enjoy watching more play the game of football than Devontae Adams. He is so much fun to watch. He takes ankles weekly, and it is fun to watch. This guy's a monster. Um, I think people need to realize how good he is because I don't think they appreciate it. Um, he's great. He's teach tape, running releases, all of this stuff. He's great. Um, and by the way, I want to give a shout-out to Shannon Sullivan. Uh, you talked about him. Yeah, dude, this guy, this guy's balling. Uh, I agree with that. I saw him. I was like, who's that for left corner? Yeah, no, this guy is a very, very good football player. And I like him with Jair Alexander there. They got a little secondary movement here, uh, the Packers. Yeah, we do. I, it's, I mean, if we had a defensive line, this, if we had the Washington Redskins defensive line, we would be killing it right now. Um. Yeah, I would just uh, yeah, I, I think we hit everything in the nail on the head here in this game. Um, uh, I from what I wanted to read for out there for Packer fans, if you haven't seen or read from everywhere, I mean, I know we're probably one of the last sources, but Devontae Adams could have came back into the game, but the game was such a blowout. Matt Lafleur just said, "Hey, dude, I know you want to get back in the game, but uh, we don't need you right now, and no reason to rush you back and get you hurt." But uh, we'll, if we need you, we will put you back in. So it sounds like Adams just got sat with a tweak, and they didn't want to take any risk on him. So he sounds like he'll be back to go next week. So that's always great news. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, move on to the next matchup. And I know this is the big matchup and a, a lot of news matchup. The Los Angeles Chargers versus the Kansas City Chiefs at the first game for the home game for the Chargers. And uh, Chris. What do you got to say about this? Because I know there's a lot coming out of the Chargers camp right now. Well, first of all, I'm going to get my reaction to that new stadium, SoFi Stadium. That is a big stadium. And, and my big thoughts on this are how are the Chargers going to fill this whole stadium? Because it has not been filled up. The soccer stadium. <laughs> the soccer stadium. This is a big stadium. This is a this looks like uh, the Coliseum in, in Rome is how big it is. And moving on to the biggest news of yesterday was Tyrod Taylor 
missed the game because he had a heart of chest pain. And so uh, my number one quarterback in the draft, Justin Herbert started, and he was fucking fantastic. And you know, and he had a great game, and uh, he uh, takes the Super Bowl champion for the Lions. Um, he had one interception where he tried to throw across his body, tried to hit uh, Mike Williams. You know, the only guy who could make that play is on the other side of the field. Um, and then after the game, uh, Anthony Lane told um, the media that if Tyler Taylor is helping, he's going to be starting quarterback. Which, uh, I guess, you know, that's his prerogative. He's the head coach. He's in the contract new right now. So I guess he wants Tyrod to take the offense to nowhere? I don't know. But offense was fantastic. I don't understand why he put Tyrod Taylor back in. The defense needs some work. They got work in the second half. Yeah. Those folks yeah. look tired. Yeah, Boza, Boza was giving it his all and definitely was exhausted by the end of that game. Yeah, um, the big thing about this game, and you mentioned it, um, I don't know what Lynn's thinking. Nick has mentioned it multiple times with coaching. Why? Like, Tyrock Taylor could not move the ball against the Bengals. No offense, Tyler, but your Bengals are not good. Definitely on defense. And Tyrock could not move the ball and only scored 17 points against that team. And then yeah, Justin and Herbert. Thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, here's the thing. Justin Herbert comes in there, and not only does he do well, he does well with spreading the ball around. He spread the ball to Austin Eckler, and around who you know he wants the ball. But he wants the ball, he can stop paying. Thompson Henry, Mike Williams, they didn't hook up, but they hit Mike Williams a couple times. And the running game was just clicking. I just don't understand why he would want to take someone out I, like that. I, I, I don't get it. I, I think he's trying to make a statement. You know, that's the only thing I can come up with, keeping Tyrod in there. Tyrod's a great locker room guy. Great leadership. All that above. Yes, Tyrod Taylor hit his ceiling as a starting quarterback four years ago. There's a reason. He is now a gatekeeper. He's going to tr- bounce around a team after team who drafts a quarterback in the first round. He's going to show him the ropes, and he's going to pass it along. That is what Tyrod is now. Keeping Tyrod in as a starter means you don't want to win games, and you're just trying to make a statement at keeping him in. Justin Herbert is obviously the better quarterback. He can move the offense. He's your best chance of winning, but it seems like Lynn does not care about these things. And I hate that. I like Lynn. I think Lynn's a good head coach, but Lynn is making some idiotic mistakes right now, and I think it's going to come back and hit him in the butt. I mean, can I just say one more thing about this? Yeah. Not knowing what on fourth and one in overtime. Yes, I'm it's glad you said most, that. Yes. It's the most cowardice fucking move I've ever seen. You're playing yeah, you the football could, champions. You have nothing to fucking lose here. 
but in a punt the ball when the defense didn't stop them. And your defense was exhausted. Had that, that was just the bonehead of the, you know what? I want to talk about, you know, bonehead, asshole, you know, dumb shit of the week award. Lynn, right there. Go for it. That showed you had they no were faith. blowing them off the fucking ball on the line. They were blowing them up. The defense was on the field almost the whole game. Yeah, you you could have you could have handed that ball off to Kelly and Kelly would have got you a yard. Justin Herbert could have fell down. And got you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean that was that right there. I mean I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot about it. That right there. I mean the the decision making that Lynn is showing right now is not a head coach material decision making. And, and I like it. And I like it as well. But oh yeah, but I, that I love that the right there. It makes me wonder. You know, if he doesn't care anymore and he knows he's out the door. He he's pay, he's playing not to lose. He's not playing to win, and that's what that call was. He was playing not to lose, not playing to win. Um, I feel like me and Chris can go back and forth, so I'll go ahead and let uh Nick give his uh, opinions on this game. Man, that that I totally agree on the fourth fourth down call, especially after watching what the Steelers did earlier, the playing not to lose thing. That's just how you lose games. Oh my goodness, conservative coaching. You know who else? Another pivotal moment. The, the Chargers defense actually almost came through in that overtime. Third and eight. Melvin Ingram jumps off sides. Oh, oh my god. god. Yeah, that. Give him third and three. That was an underrated moment. Um, that's another boneheaded thing. But I mean, yeah, that, that I'm, just I'm proves how exhausted him. they were. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like not going to blame the defense because he was trying to jump the snap, trying to get pressure on Mahomes, and I mean. You know, the defense gave a great effort that whole game. The Chargers defense gave it their all against the best offense probably in the NFL, uh, against an insane quarterback in the homes. They, they really gave it their all. I think the coach let them down by not going four on four. Trust the offense. Herbert could have done it. He absolutely could have done it. You know, it, it, at the very least, if Herbert does it, you know, if Herbert gets a field goal, at least your defense, has got a lot of rest, and they're ready to go back out against the home to maybe hold him to a field goal or stop him outright. So you're giving your defense a rest by doing that, and you're also helping your offense and your young quarterback grow in a clutch situation. And also, there's zero reason not to start Herbert moving forward. That's an awful decision. I can't tell if this is just gamesmanship and, you know, Lynch trying to get his opponents to prepare for both Tyrod and Herbert. Or he's actually serious about this. But if he's serious about this, this is awful. Herbert gives your offense a higher ceiling. He's he's your future. I mean, it makes no sense. And he looked good. I mean, it wasn't like he looked bad. He looked good. So it doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't start Justin Herbert moving forward. And you know what? If Herbert stinks up the joint down the line and, and he, he sucks out right, okay, then you can maybe go back to Tyra. Maybe Herbert isn't right. But he damn sure looked real ready yesterday, and yeah, you gotta play the guy for it. You gotta play. He's he he's a he gives you a better chance to make it in the playoffs at this point. If you're Anthony Lynn, he gives you a better chance to get your job. It doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't. No, my big thing too is before I pass it to Tyler is that Justin no bonehead decision. You knew sooner. You tell Justin Herbert 
five or ten seconds before the kickoff that he's the starter and he goes out and performs that way. Now picture if the kid gets a whole week in preparation to be the starter, get those reps, get all that in, and get be taught to be the starter instead of Tyrod. I mean, the kid can go out there and ball, but you're going to sit there and play this. By the way, I just want to say, this is how you lose a locker room. This is how you lose a locker room. They are behind Justin Herbert after that. You heard Austin Eckler today, give him a ton of praise. Everyone's giving this kid praise. This is how you, you play conservatively, not running with the best quarterback, the guy that gives you the best chance to win. This is how players lose faith in the coach, and this is how your season goes right down the drain. Yeah, completely agree. Go ahead, Tyler. What do you have on this game? Yeah, I mean, Herbert should have played week one. Um, I said that all along, and, and, you know, he showed this week why he should have started week one. Um, you know, if, if Lynn, if he if he's serious and it's not just talk that, you know, Taylor starts this coming week, then Lynn should be on a very, very short leash because there's no reason to go back to Taylor now because you've seen you've seen two things. One, that Taylor's, you know, exactly who he's always been and that Herbert actually can be pretty good. I mean, he took the uh, Super Bowl champions to the brink. Um, I'm I'm very very confident in saying that there's no way in the world that Taylor would have been able to do that. So um, you know, hopefully for Chargers fans' sake, um, you know he's not Chris's you know, really Chris's considering. Sake. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully he's not really really going to play Taylor this week, anyways, because that would definitely not be the right choice in my opinion. I I I'm gonna try to give win. I know I said he's trying to make a statement, and I still think he is. He said as long as Tyrod Taylor is 100%, he's our starting quarterback. He has the window now to say Tyrod is never 100%. You can say that this injury can last all season and you stick with Herbert. Because Herbert needs to be the starter. Herbert gives you the best chance. Give the kid time to pass the reins over to Justin Herbert because he can make this offense move. Um, I think... Hold on. Fine, fine. You're fine. And, and, and you see, even if you lose games, building that that chemistry with with Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, that's gonna grow connections. And the season after that, you know mm-hmm. these guys are locked up for the next four years now. So yeah. why wouldn't you want to build that chemistry yeah. at the last night or yesterday? Yeah. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, do a quick recap or talk about the Sunday night football matchup. But before we move on to this, I want to send my prayers and love to James White and his family through this time. What happened is truly awful. And I hope you all the best and uh, wishes and love for uh, your family. And uh, I hope to see you back on the field soon, James White. But uh, I, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. Um, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about uh, the Sunday night matchup, which was a pretty good game. Uh, it was between the New England Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Russell Wilson is making you guys look like a genius, and he is trying to fight and get his first MVP because he is balling right now. He has the weapons finally. He has a running back. He has a decent O-line. 
But the only thing that's going to stop the Seattle Seahawks is their defense. Um, and then also, before I pass it along, uh, Cam Newton, he's back. Cam Newton's back. He looks like the part, and the Bears are idiots for going after Foles and not Newton. Thank you again. Uh, but poor great Corey. matchup last Yeah, poor Corey. Love you, bud. <laughs> and Corey's dad, Don. He listens now. He's uh, one of the followers and started liking us. Um, sorry about your Bears. I know you're happy that you're 2-0, but should have got Newton. You could be so much scarier. Um, great game all around. Not surprised Seattle won. I picked that. Um, again, I all I want to say is uh, thoughts and loves to James White. I know you probably won't hear this, but thoughts and loves and prayers to your family. I'll go ahead and let uh, Nick talk about Sunday Night Football. Yeah. What a game. Um, first off, not a bad play call on the last play of the game. I think that's a good play call. Just got bad blocking. Uh, it worked earlier. I mean, you could, sure, you could argue a pop pass, but Cam is your best weapon on offense, period. Your offensive line was kicking butt up front. Go with your bread and butter. Win that game by doing that. Just a better play by the defense. Um, the Seahawks defense, Bobby Wagner, LJ Collier, and Lano Hill. Uh, big time play by them. Uh, second, DK Metcalf is an absolute freak. Uh, he was giving Stephon Gilmore all kinds of trouble. His size, his speed, uh, he looks quicker too. I mean, like, he looks more refined as a route runner. You know, the, the three code time, and he doesn't look like he plays like that anymore. He doesn't look stiff. It's incredible how much he looks. He's a problem in this league. He's been a problem for a while. Uh, Schottenheimer's finally letting Russell Wilson just air this out, and you can see what it looks like. Russell Wilson's incredible. Um, I, and one more thing I will say. Uh, moving forward, I agree that the Seahawks, their defense is their biggest issue, especially with the secondary. Marquise Blair hurt now. They got some injuries the season. up there. Yeah. Um, they, have some, they have some injuries racking up there. Um, they'll get Quadre Diggs back after he was ejected. Um, but Jamal Adams got toasted by Julian Edelman, and that's something to cause for concern as well. Um, and I'd, I'd like their outside quarterbacks, but I don't love their outside quarterbacks. Um, they, ha- they need a better pass rush up front for sure. Again, don't love the pass rush unit that they have there. Right now, Puna Ford's nice, but Jerron Reed is hurt right now. They're thin on the defensive line. I, I don't know how to read the Seahawks. Uh, they could be as good as Super Bowl contenders, but they certainly could also be a wildcard exit. So uh, they're going to be a team to watch. As for the Patriots, they're legit. They're probably a playoff team. Cam Newton looks great. He was throwing the ball over the field. His shoulder looks good. His zip on his throws was great. Most accurate passer uh, beyond 10-plus yards this week. Uh, he looks great. Um, and that's great news if you're a Patriots fan. Uh, even with these weapons, uh, Cam is making it happen for the Patriots. Uh, the match made heaven, actually, is Bill Belichick and Cam Newton. Couldn't be different. Uh, couldn't be more different. Belichick more reserved and quiet. And Cam is a splashy very bombastic guy, but you know, it, they both have the same goal. They want to win. They've worked their butts off. 
And, you know, it's, it's a great fit. I think he fits the scene well. Josh McDaniels is running this perfectly with, with Cam. And I think the Patriots are definitely a contender, uh, although I do have reservations about that defense. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I and that's what I said, too, in the predictions and at the beginning of the season, is that if there is a coach that could get Cam back to Cam, it was Bill, and it's looking like Bill did it with Josh McDaniels. Um, yeah, it was a great game. Good to see him back. I'll go ahead and uh, we'll pass it along to Tyler for his comments on Sunday night. Yeah, um, I'm glad that uh, Russell Wilson's making me look good, at least about my uh, some of the predictions I made. <laughs> Not much else is going right for me so far, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he looked amazing last night. Um, you know, they, uh, the Patriots, you know, they, they look good too, which, um, I didn't really think they would. Um, but that really mostly had to do with, I just couldn't really trust that Cam Newton was going to be healthy, but, um, you know, even though it's week two, I mean, he's looked really good and if he can stay healthy, um, you know, the Patriots probably will be, um, a threat. Yeah, comeback player of the year right there. Um, Chris, what do you have on the game? I mean, honestly, that's like the game of the year to me. That that final play comes down to that final play. Every time every time teams get together, it just comes down to that final play. Every time. So, takeaways, yeah, the Seattle offense looked fantastic. Um it looks like Brian Schottenheimer's finally getting into the blues with uh, Russell Wilson. So, look, defense, yeah, really suspect on the back end. But this defensive line is not awful. They have no pass rush. Cam Newton looks like he could pass no snapper and throw the ball. But uh, the only problem is, he has no targets besides Julian Edelman. Uh, you know, Harry looks okay. He's been proven. He's not as good as I don't bottom from the heat coming out of uh, Arizona State, but I, I just really think that this Patriots offense is missing something. I don't know what it is, but it's missing something. They don't have a one receiver. Yeah, and the running game is... Yeah. yeah, maybe when Damian Harris comes back, it might help him. Damian Harris is getting a lot of love out of camp, so we'll see when he comes off the IR. I like um, the play call at the end. I do like the play call at the end. Like Nick was saying, it's bad at Houston. Um, yeah. I don't even, like, it's like, it's like, you, uh, you, you gotta run the guy, you gotta run the offense, you gotta run the play. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I heard it. I, I didn't get to watch it. I fell asleep. Um, but uh, all I read is that he could have walked in if he read it right. I, it felt, I heard that he kind of slipped and he kind of went, he didn't read it right. If he went to the outside, he could have probably just walked right into the end zone. Um, but that's, uh, we're just gonna go ahead and wrap it up. We're running a little long today, but before we wrap it up, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Nick, our guest, uh, get, uh, give himself a shout-out and give his Draft Network a shout-out and uh, give him a thank you for coming on today's podcast. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, thanks for having me, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Farabaugh, uh, and check out my stuff at Steelers Now if you're a Steelers fan and uh, Pro Football Network NFL Draft 
uh, and serious stuff there if you want to check that stuff out. Yeah, again, I appreciate it, Nick. You're a great guest. You're welcome back. Um, we're going to go ahead and sign it out. Thank you for listening to the All Time Misfit podcast. This is uh, Matt at Brunelli Sports. That's B R U N E L L I Sports. And uh, Chris, go ahead. Uh, thanks for Nick for coming on. Catch me on Twitter at Brunelli. And Tyler. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at T underscore demand, and you can find the show's Twitter account at AT Misfits Pod. Again, don't forget to like and subscribe on any of the podcast format you're looking at, and uh, don't forget to find us and like us on Facebook as well at the All Time Misfit Podcast. Thank you, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the All Time Misfits Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.